Amen. Good to be with you all this morning. Thank you all for coming out and braving the cold. Dear Lord, it was uh, 18 degrees in Spring Hill this morning. Over the weekend, uh, we went up to Sabetha. One of Jill's uncles passed away uh, last Sunday right after church. As the drive home, we got notification that he had died in a car accident. And uh, it was on his way to church, uh, which if you know Jill's uncle, this was actually a really good thing. Uh, you know, so it was the, the Lord meeting him where he was at his age and bringing him home. Uh, he was going blind and uh, had just lots of medical issues and uh, just a fun guy. So we attended his funeral on yesterday and uh, it was just neat to hear everyone uh, speak of their interaction with him. The church was full. Um, it was a small town. It was a smaller building, but still the church was full because he didn't know a stranger. And so he had the tendency to uh, welcome, meet everybody and welcome them, even though he had at times a, a super hard shell that came from his childhood. Uh, and, and if you could get past the shell, he was the kindest, sweetest man, but you had to get past this, this outer shell. And oh, we all loved Eddie Ralph, but I, I, uh, I'm segueing to that uh, because the night before we attended the football game, and it was 20-something degrees, and Sabetha ended up winning, so they play this weekend. And if they win this weekend, then they play at State. So after Thanksgiving, I might be going out to Hutch, Kansas, to watch them play on a Saturday. But it was, like, super, super cold. And if you've never been to a football game, uh, Jill's family is, like, football coaches and coaches, and so they're around outdoor sports all the time. And so they're like, are you dressed? And I'm like, sure, I'm dressed. And they're like, no, you're not. You're missing this. And sure enough, I still froze because I dressed to my level of comfort, not to the wisdom that they had attained over the years of watching football. So it was cold. Uh, we also, I think I told you last week that uh, our car, we lost a car because we hit a deer. Yeah, so we were able to, uh, I was expecting a settlement on our car because it was an older uh, expecting two to four thousand at the most, and the settlement came back at seven, and I was like, "Woo! Thank you, Jesus!" And the David was like, "Ask for more," and I was like, "Well, <laughs> I was so blessed by the seven, I couldn't ask for any more." But I, it was great. Uh, so we were, have are already have gotten a uh, new newer Mazda. I think mine's a 2018, and Jill's is now a 2019. And one of the cool features, maybe your cars already do this. I did never experienced this in a car where you turn on the bright lights and it dims them itself as you're driving. Like you turn it on once and you just have to leave it on. And it just turns them off and on. And then you put cruise on and it slows down as it's coming upon a car. And as you go to pass, it speeds back up. I didn't use the brake for 60 miles. It did it all for me. I was like, this is like weird. I should just lay back and go to sleep. But no, no, it still needs me aware. Uh, <laughs> oh, bless the Lord. I do have a few jokes for you before I get into the Word this morning. But they are centered around a little bit of, of wisdom that I, I read online. And I thought it was applicable. So I'll give you a little word of wisdom and then give you a joke along with that. So the Word of Wisdom is, 
Uh, when you're meeting people, there's three things you need to keep in mind as you interact with people around you. Uh, number one, that people love to the le- their level of self-love. Okay? The wisdom is that people are going to be able to love to their level of self-love. If they don't like themselves, they're not going to love well. Okay? So keep that in mind. That's why uh, Jesus said, I love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So <clears throat> being able to receive God's love for us enables us to love others well. So here's your joke. My friend came up to me and said, you know, my kids just refuse to eat fish. What do you think is a good replacement? And so I said, well, cats. Cats love fish. That was a, I can't love, I'd rather love a cat. Yeah, okay, never mind. Hopefully you're getting my point here. Next one is that people communicate to their level of self-awareness. So if, if uh, to the level that you're self-aware and you're aware of where you are, you're able to communicate your thoughts and, and feelings and be able to uh, uh, be in the situation and be, be adept in the situation around you, okay? So you meet people where they are. <clears throat> so my joke. I went into Walmart, and there was this lady looking at the frozen turkeys, and she couldn't find one big enough for, for the, her family size. So she said to the stock boy who was there, Hey, do these turkeys get any bigger? And he said, Ma'am, they're dead. (laughs) He communicated to his level of self-awareness. And last one is we behave to our level of healed trauma. So when you're meeting people, Um, you'll find that they are going to behave to their level of healed trauma. So if you work to heal their trauma, their behavior will get better. Okay? Instead of just blasting the behavior, deal with with the trauma. Amen? And my joke along this is, you should try archery while blindfolded. Because you don't know what you're missing. Well, bless the Lord. If you'll turn with me to the book of Joel, chapter 2. We're going to get into the word this morning. The Lord is good. Man, he loves us. This is, that's how the Lord interacts with us, by the way. He meets us where we are because he loves us. He doesn't have to do it. He does it because he loves us. Thank you, Lord, for our love for your love for us and the love you've given us toward those around us. Let's go ahead and pray over the word this morning. Bless you, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you here this morning. I ask you just to pour out your joy. Uh, We know, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, so I ask you, Lord, to pour out your joy this morning to meet everybody where they are and begin to reveal to them your joy, Father. Begin to break off any lie of the enemy that keeps them from walking in what you have for them, your joy, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. I pray, Lord, as I share this word you've placed on my heart, Holy Spirit, I ask you just to preach through me. 
set it in individuals' hearts as they need it, Lord. I pray, Father God, that, um, Holy Spirit, you would just reveal Jesus this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your wisdom, Father, and your life. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're in Joel chapter 2. I was meditating on this chapter this week, and I want to share a few things that uh, stood out to me. Joel chapter 2, beginning with verse 23. This is the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Okay? It says, Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given the early rain for your vindication and has poured down on you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain. Be glad, O children of Israel, of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. So have the proper view of who God is. Have the proper view. Begin to be able to see and experience who God is. Don't allow your experiences or Satan's accusations to set and determine who God is. Know God for who he is. The word, Jesus, revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Begin to see Jesus for who he is and it breaks off the work of the enemy. It breaks off the limitations we set for ourselves from being able to receive from God. Being able to see God. So here the prophet Joel declares to us, Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. See him for who he is. For he has given the early rain for your vindication. Now I like this. He has given the early rain for your vindication. We are vindicated not because we've been proven right. Not because we've been proven just. To be vindicated is to be proved right. So you can put off your chest and you can go, you know what? I was right. I was right. I'm so glad I was vindicated by this. This situation or your words or what we've determined has proven that I was right. And we get to glory in that moment a little bit of I was vindicated. He says here, the prophet Joel does, he says, you have been vindicated. He's given the early rain for your vindication. The early rain is what happened through Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit. He has poured upon us when we did not deserve any nourishment. He has poured upon us by our mercy and has brought the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit. And it has redeemed us. Our vindication comes through the work of the blood of Jesus. We are vindicated. And it allows us to boldly be able to come into the throne room and declare who we are to Jesus. To the Father. We, begin, we are able to stand justly before Him because of the work of the cross. We have access into the fullness of what Jesus has for us because we've been vindicated by His work. That means no matter what I've done right now, I can come into the throne room and I can declare, Jesus, forgive me, I receive your blood and I still stand vindicated because it's your work, not mine. 
Why do we shy away from the blessing of the Lord? Because our eyes are on our own failure. Because our eyes are on our own inability, our own lack. So we shy away from walking in the fullness of what Jesus has for us because we do not feel vindicated to speak to the enemy. We do not feel vindicated to say, Satan, you don't have the authority over my finances. You don't have the authority over my family. You don't have the authority over my marriage. You don't have the authority over my health. You don't have, we don't say that because we look at ourselves and we say, well, I'm not vindicated. I guess he does because I screwed up. But the prophet Joel encourages us to get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes on the work of Jesus. And we declare boldly in the work of Jesus, Jesus, because of what you have done, I declare this over my life. Yes, I screw up. Yes, I make mistakes. But you are bigger than my mistakes, Lord Jesus. And you are able to lead me and guide me and make, remake this situation into praises for you, according to Romans 8.28. All things work for the good of those who walk according to his purposes. That means those who align themselves with the work of Jesus. Not those that get it all figured out. It is those that align themselves with the work of Jesus. Because when you align yourself with the work of Jesus, you have it figured out. The work of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, is sufficient to take care of your lack. Preaching to myself this morning, you don't mind sitting in on it, do you? The blood of Jesus is sufficient. He has given the early rain for your vindication, and he's poured out for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. Jesus is more than sufficient to meet every need that you have. So we stand in his righteousness. I am a husband... In his righteousness. I am a father in his righteousness. I am an administrator of the assets that he's given me to administrate in his righteousness. I am a pastor, it's the job that I do, in his righteousness. Whatever job it is that you do, you're the same thing. I volunteer in his righteousness. Everything I do, I do unto the Lord, and I rest in his righteousness to help supplement all of my lack, because my lack is there. And I get my eyes on him. Jesus, come and meet me in my lack. Help me, Lord. Help me in my unbelief. Remember the father who brought the son they couldn't cast the devils out of? And he said, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I trust in your early and latter rain. And then the promise comes in verse 24. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you all the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. There is blessing coming. 
Now, when we lived in Russia, so we're in our 20s. We'd been married for a few years. We moved back when I was 30. So this is probably uh, 29 years old. And we got a revelation that the Lord wanted to bless us. Now, we were poor missionaries. I think we made, man, $19,000 a year between the two of us with two kids living on the field. We had just enough to pay our bills there and then uh, to get home or to make a flight, which was several thousand dollars. We had to believe and trust the Lord for, you know, we'd, we'd ask the Lord for it and the Lord would, we had a couple uh, supporters that the Lord would speak to very regularly and uh, they would call me up and uh, one guy I still have a relationship with and he would go, okay, Matt, what's going on? Because the Lord's told me that you need $4,000. I said, well, Charles, we are getting ready to buy plane tickets and we have this need. He said, great, uh, checks in the mail. I said, wonderful, thank you. So the Lord took care of our need. So that's the way we lived. You know, and we, we moved up. That's at, that's at the end of 10 years. That didn't start at the beginning. It's the end of 10 years of growth of trusting the Lord, okay? So when we went to move back to the States, the Lord had spoken to us, I want to bless you, and I want to give you a house, like a Kansas City house, like a nice house. And so we moved back in 2002. I was 30 years old, and I was like, wow, okay, the Lord's going to give us a house. And both Jill and I were in agreement. We, this, and we moved back, and we moved back into utter poverty in probably the worst financial situation we'd ever moved into. It was not fun. And during that time, I kept going, okay, God, did I miss you? Did I not hear right? You know, have I done something? I went through all of these, I went through the full gamut of stages of, man, I, God must be mad at me. I must have missed the Lord. I, I've screwed up. Uh, I didn't hear the Lord. Maybe I should have stayed in Russia, you know, and I'm, I'm in sin now. You know, all the full gamut of every doubt in there, the Lord let me walk through to let everything come to the surface so that he could deal with it. And it was a number of years, and it was a lot of struggle. And we received this wonderful word right before we came back that, uh, of course, we misinterpreted. And it's fine. And now looking back, we go, oh, okay, that's what the Lord meant, not what we understood at the moment. I was in the expectation that just as the Lord cared for me on the mission field, he would care for me here. But my level, which is true, but my level of expectation of the Lord was as I lived on the mission field. And here is completely different. And if you want to come into the prosperity the Lord has spoken over you, things have to shift. So what I'm getting at here is, he says, the threshing floor shall be full of grain and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. What you miss by this verse, if you just read this verse outright, is there was a season of planting, a season of weeding, a season of reaping the harvest, a season of processing the harvest, and then a season of rest before you started it over again. So if you want your vats full and your threshing floors full of grain... We tend to get into the expectation of, okay, I'm just going to sit where I am and everything's just going to happen. Because that's the way he used to do it. 
And now I can just expect it to continue to be this way forever. And the Lord's saying, okay, you know, you lived at this level. I want to bring you into the next level. But the next level requires a different level of sowing, a different level of weeding, a different level of harvesting, a different level of processing the harvest, and a different level of resting. And if you want to come to that next level, you've got to learn. We eventually got the Kansas City house. It was after 10 years, 12 years, of learning how to work and sow and grow and expect and have our faith expand. You know, when we first moved back, so I'd been a missionary, so I never had a mortgage. I was 30 years old, had no savings. When we moved back, it was like stepping out of, out of college or out of high school. We had nothing. No insurance, no credit history, nothing. We were like dropped out of a planet. I mean, the banker like pulled up our credit report and he said, where you guys been? There's like nothing on your credit report. I lived out of the country for 10 years. Of course, there'd be nothing there. He's like, well, you know, we're, we don't really give loans to people who don't have a credit history. Well, great. And I remember we looked at this house. It was a rundown, beaten house. It was $25,000 in a small town, Jill's hometown, 30 years old. And the banker says, what we can do is I will, because I know your in-laws and I know your sister, will loan you the 25000 to buy the house with nothing down. And I realized I was going to have a mortgage payment of $386 a month. Scared the bejesus out of me. I had never had a bill that I had to make every month. I mean, it terrified me. I was like, where am I going to come up with $386 every month? Because in Russia, it was, you know, you had the really good times and you had the lean times. And in the lean times, you didn't have any bills coming in. You just, it was all just food. It was food and gas and you took care of those things the small little bit of rent that you had or the electric bill, which was pennies. We lived at a completely different level. But to come into this level, for me to move to getting a Kansas City house, I had to begin with being able to handle a small town mortgage of $386 a month. And I learned to trust the Lord for work. I learned how to sow, how to weed, how to reap the harvest, how to process the harvest, and then how to rest. And eventually I got to the level where I rested at $386. And the Lord said, okay, great. Now let's move to Kansas City. I was like, ooh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Came down here and our rent was 1000 bucks a month. We moved to Belton. We lived in a, a duplex in Belton, 1217 Toulouse Avenue in Belton. It's behind the high V. It was $1,000 a month. I think the support that I had raised to work down here was like $1,800 a month. And Jill had a job that paid her pennies. That was a hard year. We had two small kids. But I tell you what, during that time period, you know where your car breaks down and you're like, I don't know how we're going to do it, dear. I have no idea. And I, I can't pull money out of nothing. You know what I mean? But the Lord miraculously provided in different ways the $300 bill to pay for the, uh, the brakes on the car when they went out. You know, the Lord just brought us through, and it was painful. But I was learning how to sow, how to weed, 
how to harvest, how to process the harvest, and then how to rest. And the Lord moved us down and we bought, we moved into a little rental in Carthage, Missouri. And then finally our house in Sabetha sold. And we made a little bit of profit because we'd put some sweat equity in it. I think we, we ended up putting 40000 in it and sold it for fifty-two. So we had $12,000 of profit. I was like, wow. Cha-ching. Finally bought Jill the engagement ring that I won year number seven of our marriage. Bought her the engagement ring that I always wanted to buy her, but you should have seen the ring that I gave her. We still have it. It's a uh, point diamond, like one point, not a carat. It's a point. I mean, it's like this little tiny, if you look too fast, you can't even see the diamond. That's what I bought her as a missionary because I had 80 bucks and I said, how big of a diamond can I get for 80 bucks? And the lady was like, well, I can give you this one. So I bought her a diamond from my sweat equity, you know, from that house. Because the Lord was teaching me that we can work together on this. It isn't just you sitting there and me providing for you, which is a great lesson to learn. But it's also, let me provide for you and bless you as you work. That's a completely different level. And so we moved into this little, little house. I mean, it was a little house. And our house in Sabetha sold. And we were able to buy our first Kansas City-style house. It was down in Carthage, Missouri. It was a split entry, you know, where you go up one level and you go down the other level. And I was just like, wow, you know, we've made it. Had a, a much higher mortgage. I think it was like 700 or 800 bucks a month. And then lost a job. Got a new job. Miraculously, the Lord provided, you know, but I had to stick my resume out there and I had to call the guy back and say, I put in a resume at your company and I wanted to check on whether or not you had received it. He goes, actually, I think it got thrown away, but since you've called me back, let me, uh, why don't you send it to me again? Do you get the point of sewing? You have to work along with it. See, I just wanted to go, okay, Lord, Lord you're going to give me a job, and I'm going to sit here, and somebody's gonna, my phone's going to ring, because that's the way you worked on the mission field. We were totally reliant. We had no access to be able to do anything. We were way overseas, and so you had to lay it on Charles's heart, who would call me up and say, hey, the Lord told me you need $1,000. What's it for? And he would do that, and the Lord would. But when we got back here, the Lord said, okay, now I want you to move in a different way. I want you to grow. I want you to learn how to sow. And so now call the guy. Uh, Lord, I don't want to call the guy. What if, he, what if I'm going to feel like an idiot? Well, you're going to have to get over your fear and begin to step out in faith. I hope you're hearing me this morning. Plane flying over? Mm-hmm. That's the Lord. No, it's just a plane And then we sold that house, and each time we sold, we had a little bit more of a down payment. And we moved to Sabetha and bought a house that we loved. And we were there for eight years, and then I lost my job. Oh, I was there just like two years, and I lost my job. And uh, got laid off suddenly, December 5th, and right before Christmas. And the Lord said, okay, you're going to trust me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, Lord. I don't remember who it was, but somebody told me, you know, this did not surprise the Lord. And that stuck with me. I was like, right. It surprised me. 
but it didn't surprise the Lord. So you have a plan, Lord. What is it? It really did surprise me. And it took me a couple years to forgive the guy. But then I forgave him and got over it. You know, and now I can see, yeah, he did need to let me go, which was fine. But it was hard at the moment. Okay, Lord, what are we going to do? And it was like, I want you to start a business. Ooh, are you... Then I don't have anybody paying... You know, it's nobody paying the bills except what I churn out, you know. Customer service, building and doing that. And I did that for five years. And after four years, uh, the Lord... I I had built up uh, where everyone trusted me in the small town for IT... And it built up this thing of where a guy called me and said, hey, would you want to become our, our uh, IT manager? So my company was making about 35000 a year. We were just scrapping by, meeting our mortgage, and Jill was taking odd jobs because she didn't have her degree. So she went back to school to get her speech pathology degree. So for two and a half years, she drove uh, two hours one way to school, went to school all day, and drove two hours home. We did that for two and a half years. I single-parented while she went back to school so that she could work as a speech pathologist. You have to have your master's degree. And I ran this business. And sometimes I'd be up there at 2 a.m. doing paperwork. Quarterly paperwork's due, you know. And by the fourth year, they offered me a job, $50,000 a year with benefits to be their uh, systems manager on an IBM AT uh, it's our AS400. It's a completely different language than I had ever done before. It was a stretch. But again, it was the Lord saying, okay, you can step into this blessing. It'll take some sowing, some weeding, some reaping, some processing, and then you can rest. And I did that, and I worked that a year, and it was a great. I had my business going. I had that great job, and then the Lord called us here. And we let all that go and moved here. My point is, if you're expecting in your at right now for the Lord just to drop into there and to solve all your problems, you're probably expecting something wrong. The Lord will meet you where you are. And there are times when he will do miracles and propel you forward by his grace. There are times when that happens, don't get me wrong. There are times when he miraculously does stuff. But most of the time in our life, it is a process here where he says, I am going to increase the threshing floors so that they're full of grain and the vats will overflow with wine and oil. But first, you're going to have to sow. You're going to have to weed, you're going to have to uh, reap, you're going to have to process, and then you can rest. That's what take, that's normal, guys. If you want your at reached with the gospel, there's got to be some sowing. There's got to be some weeding and etc. So planting seeds, I think the best way to plant seeds is getting the word in you, whatever the word is in that area. So if you're struggling in your marriage, get some good teaching on marriage. If you're struggling in your finances, get some good teaching on finance. If it's raising your kids, get some good teaching on on raising kids. If it's how to be a light in your workplace, get some teaching in that area. Get the word in you 
To me, there's two types of word. There's logos and there's rhema. Logos is just getting to know Jesus as it's written. Get it in you as much as you can. And rhema is when that light bulb comes on and that logos becomes applicable to the situation you're in. And to me, that's when the seed's planted and it germ- germinates. When that shell of the seed cracks open, it, it dies, it cracks open, and that little plant begins to jump out of there. You need rhema. You need logos, because you can't have rhema without logos. You need both of them. But get those seeds planted, guys. And say, Lord, I am being faithful. I'm going to read. I'm going to get this in. Lord, give me the, let's just, I don't know, use an example for marriage. Our marriage is struggling, Lord. I want to understand. Or I just want to be a better husband or a better wife or, you know, a good spouse. So, Lord, I'm going to read this book in faithfulness for you to meet me where I am. And, Lord, begin to give me revelation on what I can do better. Notice I didn't say revelation on how they can act better. (laughs) It begins with us. So we get this revelation and then it begins to begin, the Lord begins to weed it. And so weeding is when you uh, begin to take things captive and begin to renew the mind. You know, when, when you suddenly notice, oh, wait, 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 wait. I've been reading this and the Lord's been speaking to me in this area and suddenly I realize I've got this attitude or I've got this belief system, or I've got this action that I act upon because I really believe this. And that's contrary to the seed that's been planted in my heart. i got to get rid of that. And you begin to, over time, deal with those attitudes, deal with those belief systems, and replace it with what the true word is. You water the word over that seed. You know? I can remember, like, in my marriage, I would get mad at Jill... And this accusation would begin to come. You know, well, have you noticed that she always does this or she always does that? And, and I began to realize, you know what, that's Satan trying to get me mad at her. And if I agree with that, I'm just dumb. Because I'm agreeing with what Satan's saying about my wife, not about what Jesus says about my, about my wife. And so I began to say, no, I refuse to take accusation and I refuse to reiterate or confess the accusation that I'm hearing in my head. And I do this about anybody, not just my wife, you know, because Satan tries to bring those accusations. And as, when you agree with them, then all you're doing is you are shouting the gospel of Satan. Yeah, I did say that, sorry. You're agreeing with Satan on it. And when we agree with Satan, of course, we are causing those weeds to grow. We're watering the weeds instead of watering the seed. And we want to do just the opposite. We want to kill the weed. No, 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 no. That's not true. I refuse to receive that. I refuse to receive that accusation. My wife is not always like that. That is a wrong confession. I do not believe that. This is what Jesus says about her. And I speak with the word over my wife. I speak the word over myself. I speak the word over my neighbor. I speak the word over my children. I speak the word over you guys. Because I want Jesus to grow in you. So I weed. I take authority over the things that pop in my mind and I weed them out. I take them captive and cause them to get into obedience to who Jesus is. It's in Corinthians 10, 7. One of the Corinthians... Take every thought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
get in line. And then finally I get to the point where I'm beginning to reap. I have gained wisdom of the word and I'm beginning to apply it in the situation. It's not just growing and I hope one day to see it. I'm beginning to see it. You know, for example, finances. Okay, Lord. I understand that uh, to give is better than to receive. I understand that you love a cheerful giver. And this revelation is hit. So I'm beginning to, once I receive this, uh, like with my automobile, I received more than what I expected. I'm going to give 10% back to the Lord. You know, I, I begin to walk out. I begin to reap of the harvest. It, because the opposite is, I'm reacting in fear. Oh, I'm not going to have enough, so I better, I better put this all aside. You know, I've gotten a little bit extra. And, I, and who knows what tomorrow's bringing, so I better hide this money away. Because, oh dear God, what if I hit another deer? Instead of, okay Lord, you were faithful in the midst of this. This was a surprise that that buck decided to take out my front end. I didn't have another vehicle. What am I going to do? I don't know, but I'm going to trust you. Now I have a vehicle. Now I have this. I'm going to give to you to say thank you for your faithfulness. Do you understand the two? One is reaping, is in the situation you are reaping now because you have acknowledged what the Lord is doing and you are acting upon it. It's changing in your life. The fruit is visible in your life. So we want to reach the stage of reaping. The processing of the harvest is when you begin to get the wisdom on how to handle the blessing and how to walk it out even further. Instead of the little every now and then blessing wisdom, you're beginning to, we're on a regular basis, it's happening, you know, and then you have opportunities and you share from the front. You share with your neighbor. You share in the checkout line at Walmart the goodness of the Lord. And then when Satan gut punches you the next day, you know how to handle it. And you get used to that, and before you know it, he doesn't gut punch you anymore. You know, because I don't know about you, but, you know, when you have something and you confess, you know, like it's a, it's a young harvest, and you're like, yeah, the Lord blessed me and took care of me, gave me an extra thousand bucks, isn't he good? And the next day a bill arrives for 999, you know, or whatever. You're like, well, jeepers, how did that happen? That's when he gut punches you and you have to decide, am I going to continue to walk this out and process this harvest or am I giving up on the harvest and I've reverted back to having to build up the seed again and weed? And the more you do this, the more you're able to process the harvest and then pretty soon you are rolling in the grain and your oil and wine is just pouring out all over the place. But that is the process of maturity that you reach because you have spent the time to put in the word, renew your mind, learn to walk in the process of the, of the harvest, and then learn how to process the harvest and continue it to, to create that going constantly. Then it's a rest. Now I can rest. I don't worry about losing my job because I've gone through it enough that every time the Lord has opened up an opportunity because the Lord is my boss ultimately. Is it sinking in? 
So we confess that in Christ Jesus, because of his blood, all the promises in him are yes and amen. And that his grace is sufficient where I am today. And we either receive from him immediately, or if it doesn't immediately pop into us, we go, okay, Lord, I am going to sow your word and learn to weed and look for the harvest that you're bringing in my life in this area. And I will not get discouraged on how long it takes. Some of my lessons have taken 14 years. I've served the Lord now since 1987. Is it 35 years? Some of them are still, I'm seeing, I've been, I've been sowing, I've been weeding, but just maybe not as good and the revelation hasn't hit. So some of this I've been 35 years on seeking the fullness of the harvest. Trusting the Lord. Faithfulness. He is faithful. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Verse 26. Yes and amen. I will reach that point. Because Jesus is my righteousness. And he is faithful. He is faithful. I will testify of the goodness of the Lord. Verse 25. I don't want to skip it over because I think it's important. I will restore to you... The years that the swarming locust has eaten. You know, as you're going through this and growing, uh, it can be discouraging, it can be trying, it can be all these things as you're learning to walk in this. And you can look back and go, man, the enemy has had a heyday in my life. But once you walk into the victory of Jesus, it just overshadows all of that. And he restores to you and you look back and you go, thank you, Jesus, for what I walked through because now I possess more of you, Jesus. And I declare your goodness. Even when I didn't see you or didn't feel you or it felt like you were mad at me, I declare your goodness because you weren't. I thank you for bringing through that time. I thank you that I lost my job in 08. I thank you that I had to have my faith stretched to start my own business. I thank you that I didn't know how to, uh, to meet the car need and you provided for it multiple times. <laughs> we blew an engine out in a car and replaced it. Cost of $2,500 unexpectedly. And then that engine blew out about eight months later. And then it was just... I'm not sinking another just dealership. You can have it. So I've been through. I don't sit up here and, you know, with a silver spoon and all life is wonderful. Uh, I'm saying you can move forward and it gets better and better and better and better. Grace upon grace, it gets a higher ability to testify Jesus is good. He has been faithful and he has taught me so many things every day. And I love my wife and I love my kids and I'm faithful and I love Jesus. And he's led me through. Let him continue to lead you. The restoration is there because there is grace to walk through it. I guess is my final point. So let me just finish off just by again quoting 2 Corinthians 1.20. 
that all the promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. So wherever you are right now, in that need, in your at, the promises are yes and amen. Some will be instantaneous. Some will be a process. He holds your hand and walks you through. Sometimes he's carrying you, but he brings you through a process of sowing, weeding, reaping, processing, and then resting. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word this morning. Thank you for all of the encouragement that you have in your word that you just so often, over and over and over again, just declare your goodness to us, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it, Lord. So in the midst of our issues right now, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the times that you do deliver us and you bring us through out of it and out of it, Lord. And I also thank you, Lord, for the times that you teach us how to walk in the victory you have for us, Lord. We don't want to stay in the desert expecting you to, to meet all of our needs, Lord. We want to come into the promised land knowing that to walk in the promised land means facing the battles and trusting you. I thank you, Father, for that, for teaching us how to sow, how to weed, how to reap, how to process, and then how to rest in it, Lord. I bless this congregation, their ears to hear and their hearts to receive what you have individually for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to encourage you, we do have that new prayer ministry that will be starting in fire here in just a few minutes. And if you need somebody to agree with one of these areas with you, something's been stirred up in your heart and you want somebody to agree with you, this would be a great time to get somebody to agree with you and encourage you in this area. God bless you, love you, and see you next Sunday.